the show philly take with rb it is your boy rb and we are joined by a special guest here tonight my guy sean bernard shout out to him does great work on twitter his handles right there definitely give him a follow he's consistently covering this team every day just like i am the dude puts in work writer for philadelphia sports network co-host of the pick swap podcast sean what's going on thanks for joining us man yeah, man, appreciate you have, for having me, and uh, I feel like a little, little more positive tune surrounding the Sixers since the last time I was on. So I'm excited to talk about everything that's happening and uh, ready to dive in. Oh yeah, definitely. We have a lot to talk about. Obviously, last night Joel Embiid and the stretch that he's been on this whole James Harden thing, two five rumors to bias. I mean, we talked a lot last time, and um, there, there's just this is like a, a never ending revolving door. You know what I mean? It just keeps going, keeps going. We're a couple weeks until the trade deadline. The news is just going to keep heating up, you know, and I'm excited to get into it. Shout out to everybody in the chat, all the channel members. What's going on, everybody? Nick, George, Pat, David, Sean, Ryan, Luge. What's going on, everybody? LVZ. We will be opening the phone lines later in the show. Get some thoughts on all this news and rumors going on. Uh, but just a couple weeks. To go first and foremost, uh, tell us how you're feeling about last night, man. You know, Joel and B with another magnificent performance, Sixers struggle, but they end up fighting down the stretch and beating the bum Pelicans. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, it felt like a very, very Sixers game, it was kind of similar to the tune for how it's been. It was a disappointing first half. The, the defensive effort wasn't great, the effort as a whole, it definitely there is a little bit of a theme with like the Sixers for kind of not quite waking up when they play these shorthanded teams. And we saw that through the first half. But it is also whenever they're able to flip the switch and kind of lock in, which we saw in the second half. I mean, Embiid, it's tough to keep finding ways to just be, like, appreciative of what he has been. And it, I feel like in the evolution of Joel Embiid, which we've had, we've just been watching, it's cool we've hit a point where we're now kind of seeing, like, a like the whole game last night, it was kind of the feeling as I'm watching that's kind of like, all right, just let us hang and Joel is going to take it home. And like Joel is going to get us out of this, which is cool that we're getting to that point of like Joel's got this and I have faith in it. So I do think that's meaningful that kind of in this evolution, he's hitting to that point where it's just like sit back and let him take the keys and drive us home. Yeah, I think it's a good point. It's absolutely insane when you think about it, where we've come from yeah. with Joel and B to now all the drama, everything we went through. But Joel just keeps getting better. Like his game keeps getting better. Him as a person keeps getting better. You look at everything this guy's done. And, and me just reading off the last four games in terms of Joel Embiid. Here we are in 2022. Joel Embiid, last four games, 50 points, 40 points, 38 points, 42 points. I mean, this dude is single-handedly carrying this squad on his back. And it's not even like a traditional big man. Like, He's doing things I've never even imagined before. Like, he is really changing the landscape of the game. And I like how you talk about, you know, just him bringing us home. Like, Joel's doing everything for this team right now. If, yeah, if I, we'll talk about it later on, whether, you know, your opinion on whether we need to get some help now or kind of, you know, sit and wait and see what happens. But um, it's just magnificent what this guy is doing. And, and for us to be even struggling with that team yesterday, I feel like there's a point in the game where Joel just wakes up. He just kicks it For in the sure. gear. And I've been saying this, but like, there's no, you can't stop it. 
You can throw one guy, two guys, three guys. You can throw this look, that look. It doesn't matter. Joel yeah. Embiid is going to score the ball, and he's almost averaging 40 points a game over the last four. It's unreal. Yeah, and it's so cool kind of the growth in, like, IQ and just him as a basketball player as a whole this year. Like, there's multiple plays. Last night there was a play where they dropped it down to him in the post, and he's just pointing at Tobias to, like, stay there. Like, you will get an open three if you just don't move right now, and that's exactly what happened. Toby banged at home. He was three of three last night. Very good Tobias game, which is great to see him bouncing back after the struggles and everything that went along with that in the past few weeks. And um, beyond that, like the a couple games before, I, I believe it was the Spurs game, the play where he, Joel just points and moves Furkan and Charlie Brown Jr. to opposite corners, gets goes through the pick and roll on the short roll, gets double and finds Furkan. Like that's where we're hitting this new level of Joel of just kind of digesting the game before it even happens, and just the basketball IQ to pick it up, the the just execution to be able to do it, and just the ability is is absurd. And I mean. It's tough to keep finding words for how good this guy is, and but uh, the Sixers will go as far as Joel will take them, and I'm feeling pretty good about how far they can take them right now. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, the stats that this guy is putting up, like he's doing things that haven't even been done since Wilt Chamberlain. Like, do you know how insane of a physical specimen Wilt Chamberlain was at his time? It don't. It kind of like resembles Joel Embiid right now. It's like, yeah. imagine you know eight years ago what centers were doing, and then look right now, you know. Joel Embiid's doing things that are just out of this world. Um, another thing is fourth straight game with 35 and 10. Fourth player with a streak that long since 1976. Like, it, it's just unreal. And then, you know, you talk about the Spurs game, and then I forget which game it was, but, you know, he takes a rebound, puts it on the floor, and takes it the length of the court, does a, a little Euro step, and throws it down in traffic. Like, centers should not be able to do that. And the fact that we are witnessing this man get better and better – I didn't even think he could get better from last year. He's gotten yeah. 10 times better. And, you know, obviously in the absence of 2-5 and just the way, like you said, he's learning the game. And, I mean, Joel Embiid at 27 years old, this is a scary sight. But you got to hope it stays on for a long time. You got to hope he stays healthy, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I, I do think there's a little, like, too much made out to, like, the window closing now. Like, obviously the injuries are the biggest thing and the biggest risk there but he's 27 years old like there could be several more years of joel being this terrific basketball player and that's so awesome it's so awesome to just see him like flourish into such a premier talent and a guy that is legitimately one of the best players in the league and just to sit back and watch and that he is ours he's ours to watch he's a a guy that we've been through from top to bottom like think about there was a real chance that his career could not have even launched like when he was drafted. Like the foot injuries and the the two years off, there were those were really career threatening like injuries and situation that to to reach this point is like so much more than I think anybody would have guessed. And I I love everything about him. I'm so happy he's the face of the Sixers from his the way he goes about the game, the way he goes about life, personality, the way he talks, just everything about him. I'm so grateful to be covering the Sixers, watching the Sixers and just a fan at this point. Yeah, he did. He just does everything. And shout out to Aaron with the two dollar super chest. As we win the chip outright, if we sign Corey Brewer, Aaron always coming with the A one comments. Um, Corey Brewer, Sixers legend, but Joel Embiid, an even bigger legend. Um, I see everybody in the chat letting me know about Woj. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the James Harden thing. Woj just put out a tweet uh, saying ESPN sources the Brooklyn Nets will not listen to trade deadline overtures for James Harden, a resolve largely rooted. In the All-NBA guards repeated insistencies to ownership and management that he's committed to the franchise. See, that I believe that now because that is coming from Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, 
obviously we're jumping ahead here. I wanted to get to what Kendrick Perkins had to say today, and, and I want to get your thoughts on it as well. We can even play the audio clip, but honestly, there's no even point to do that now because like I was telling everybody on Twitter, Kendrick Perkins is not a source. You know, Kendrick Perkins comes out and maybe he what he's saying has some truth to it. You know, like maybe he does talk to the players, says that essentially James Harden has told people in his camp that he wants to come to Philadelphia. I have many issues with that. Number one, it's pretty unlikely James Harden is going around telling people that he wants to come to Philadelphia midseason. And number two, why would the Brooklyn Nets even think about that at the trade deadline? And, and you know, we can get into the long-term risk and all, but what are, what are your thoughts just overall, taking a step back, not just on this, but in the last day or two as, as we've uh, started to hear these hardened things heat up? Like, what is your thoughts overall on that? So I guess overall, uh, first off, I'm a, a huge fan of James Harden. I was a guy that was all in on James Harden last deadline and totally ready to pull the trigger on shipping off Ben. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. Obviously, that wasn't the case. At this point, I still think there's a lot of smoke regarding the Harden's maybe not desire to be in Brooklyn, Maury's connection, whatever. I think it's overdone to the extent that like it's just not that simple in a way. Like when we think about the from the Nets perspective, which I think is super important in all this. So both Harden and Kyrie are coming on. They'll have player options at the end of this year. I think there's truth to obviously. I mean, we hear the 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 tax thing, the the weather thing, and the uh, the thing that I do think that there is a lot of noteworthy too is the the frustrations with Kyrie because I will say like it impacts James Harden more than any other person in that organization the Nets the him being a part time player and and Harden's role completely changes when Kyrie's there and when he's not so I do think there's some truth to some frustrations with that but I also think the simple conversation between the Nets is we've just given up so many assets we went all in to get you here we're not really just trying to let you walk after one year so I think the decision from Brooklyn would be first we would trade Kyrie before we trade you or let Kyrie walk ahead of you so I think Harden's higher up in that pecking order which I think is important to note and uh, also like the from a financial aspect like this guy has a one-year 47 million dollar player option right now like regardless of how frustrated you are that's tough to just pass up on playing basketball so from my my when I think hard on it, I think there's a lot that makes sense as far as the the Mori connection, the Embiid. I think he would be terrific here. I don't think it's as simple as it's being made out to me. Just James Harden coming to the Sixers. Wow, I'm glad somebody actually sees eye to eye with me on this. Taz with the two dollar <laughs> donation says Perk Bomb over Woj Bomb. Get that out of here, man. I you know, people people continue to argue with me saying that Kendrick Perkins is like a source. No, he's not. He's he's more on the fan side of it. Like. I'm not saying Kendrick Perkins doesn't do great work. I'm not discrediting him. I'm just saying we hear this. We hear that. If it's not coming from Adrian Wojnarowski, I'm not believing it until it happens. But anyway, on to what you were saying. Like, I think it's absolutely crazy now. And we'll, we'll start talking about these trade rumors and stuff. But, you know, you're absolutely right. Like, there is so much risk involved with that. And, and first off, I, I don't think people understand like $47 million. Like James really wants to opt out and get 60 million here. Is he really going to get 60 million here? Let's think about this critically. Like that is a lot of money. Now you're telling me number one, James Harden is going to not only decline $47 million, but he is then going to choose Philadelphia. And here's my problem with the logic. For the same people that say this team is so bad right now, why why go get somebody and contend this year, right? Well, why would James Harden want to come to this team then if we're that bad? You know, we're also strapped to the cap, 
we're still going to have to make another move then in the offseason just to try to get some more, you know, like quality pieces in here, more glue guys. So I don't understand that logic. And then yeah. in addition to that, you probably have to do a sign and trade to execute that because we have two terrible contracts. Right. And why would the Brooklyn Nets do that? Let's think about it from their perspective. Okay, James Harden is leaving. But do you think they're really going to pull that trade off with the Sixers? In fact, they have a better chance of just hoping it to keep those three together. Like, you, you think Kyrie's going to mesh with, with Ben like that? I don't think that's going to happen. Like, it's such a reach in my eyes. And I've, I've been pissed off the last couple of days. I'll end with this because people now want to wait till the offseason. No, I'm tired of waiting. Why can't we cash in and go get something and make it happen? I'm so sick and tired now because six months ago when we collabed, we said, all right, trade deadline. Let's get something. Yeah. Let's do something. I know the playing field isn't as heavy right now. But what, are we going to wait another six months? Are we going to waste this Joel Embiid? And then what happens when we get to the offseason and we don't cash in on James Harden? Then what are yeah. we going to do? And I'm tired of that methodology. But you yeah. give me your thoughts on it. I've got so a couple layers to this. I mean, first off, I think Daryl Morey is totally okay with all this Harden stuff come out. I think this is a little bit of allowing other teams to hear this and – like if you're the Sacramento Kings right now, you should absolutely be looking like that. If like if they're willing to sit back and wait for James Harden, we should be throwing whatever we have to change their mind on that. So I do think there's some power play and mind games there. Uh, also, like from Harden's perspective, if money is the issue, the best thing that he can do to capitalize on the most he can possibly get would be to opt in for the 47 mil next year and then demand a trade deadline, which if we are holding on to Ben Simmons by next deadline, I'm going to rip my entire hair out. But uh, aside from that point, like I also don't think it's an exclusive either make a trade now or wait for James Harden. Like I think we can absolutely trade Simmons now, get pieces. And if Harden still wants to come this offseason, that's still possible. Like I guess my ideal trade that I keep kind of tossing and turning and Obviously, I'm not in the room to see if this is something that either of these teams would be interested, but would be some remnants of a three-team deal with the Kings that lands us Tyrese Halliburton and John Collins. If we do that, that's at least a help this year. I think Tyrese Halliburton and Collins be enough of a difference maker to, not that I feel great about winning everything this year, but at least it's like a fighting chance more than we have right now. And again, that doesn't handcuff you. Like These are still guys that are young, under team-friendly contracts that we can find ways to repackage, retrade if it's necessary. So I think there's too much made out for made out to be like an exclusive one or the other on waiting for Harden versus making things happen now. So there's a lot behind the scenes. I think a lot of this is I'm, I'm once again, and we've talked about this at the beginning too, but I'm I'm glad Maury is the guy in charge. I was impressed with all the things he said, and I don't think it should get in the WIP interview, and it, I don't think it should be brushed over the comments he said specifically about the Kings when he said how. There are deals with the Kings that I think will work. Will they ever happen? I don't know. That pretty much to me was him saying, like, if you want your guy, like, come and get him. And the Sacramento Kings should be doing everything possible to get Ben Simmons. Like, that's an organization that hasn't had a winning record in 15 years. Ben Simmons would automatically be a top 10 Sacramento King in their franchise history. And he's frankly significantly better than Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox straight up as a player. So that's something that if the Kings, which this was followed by like the reports of their unwillingness to trade them, that's such backwards thinking in my head. So I don't know. There's a lot behind the scenes, but I, I'm frustrated with kind of the one or the other thought process. Yeah. And, and the Kings, you know, they're out here losing games by 50 plus. Yeah. I mean, the Kings have to do something at some point. I've also been one, an advocate to say, we need to execute a three team trade. When I think about the Kings straight up, 
Do I think that trade's going to go through? No, I don't think Daryl Morey is just going to take a straight-up package from the Kings. I think a three-team deal would be best. You get another player, some role guys, and maybe uh, some picks from the Sacramento Kings. And I also want to put out there, like, I am not in any way saying that I would not pull a trade for James Harden. I would not get him. Of course I would love him on this team. I was one last year who didn't want him for 2-5 because I still believed in 2-5. And that was wrong on my part. If we had a chance to get James Harden right now, I would say do whatever it takes to get him. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that there are so many different like rabbit holes. There's so many implications that go into getting him to Philadelphia. I just think it's a stretch. And then if we don't cash in there, then what is next? Do we wait yeah. until, you know, and, and I disagree with this notion that his value is going to go up because in that case, why didn't we trade him last off season? Why? Because there weren't a lot, enough players available. Uh, what if there's not enough players available again? I don't under, you know, the more that we sit here and wait, this guy's value is not going to go up. Yeah. Yes. He brings things defensively. Yes. He's going to be a, you know, he's going to bring something to your team. I get that. But as we sit and wait, as we survey the situation, like in my opinion, the, the value is not getting any better. I mean, he's just sitting here on the bench and like the last image that we have of him is completely folding in a playoff series. And I, I think at one point, like this was kind of my limit. I think Daryl has to do something, not only because of the value situation, but I think with how Joel Embiid is playing. And I want to get your take on this. Like, you know, how far are the Sixers? I've been fighting tons of people on this. They say, oh, well, you know, we're not even close to contending. I don't agree with that. I think we get a quality starter in here, a 25-point-per-game scorer. We get a couple role players because we definitely need to upgrade the bench, which nobody seems to be talking about. And we get a couple picks. I think we're set. I think we, I'm not going to say we're the favorite, but right now we're the sixth seed and we're two games out of the first seed. You're yeah. This thing is wide open. And I think the Sixers got to cash in and try something. And like you said, if it doesn't work, then you retool and you figure out how to do it. But I'm tired of waiting, man. Yeah, no. And I, I agree with that at its core too. And I mean, the, like, I agree that we're not far off from competing. And I, I the thing I will say about Joel specifically that changed my mind this year is I think he is good enough as a superstar that the Sixers can build complementary pieces in a similar model to the Bucks and what they've done with Giannis. And obviously Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are two, but like out of the, if you want to include the five top players, including Embiid, Tobias, and then those three, like, is probably those three and then Joel kind of in there. Toby's the, the bottom of that. So I think that's relevant to the conversation. But uh, like just at his core, Embiid is the guy. And if we can find pieces that bring out the best of them and it's like their skill sets. And even when I talk about guys like like a, a weird name here, but Reggie Jackson's a guy that I think would be just tremendous with the Sixers and a guy that as a guard. And I've heard the whispers of like the, the Clippers could be sellers at the deadline with what they got going on, all the injuries. But it's just like, we've never had quite that skill set to pair with Embiid that is such a common skill set in the NBA, but just a guard that can handle, shoot, create a little bit. And a guy that can go get a bucket, a guy that's a little bit more, I don't want to say more complete than Tyrese Maxey, but I guess I'll just say like further in his development in that. But I like just that skill set would be such a difference maker with Embiid. And it's kind of crazy to me that that still simply hasn't happened. Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And I get it. You know, there's not a lot of players available. I get it. But Daryl Morey, like you said, I'm I'm glad we have Morey in charge. I, I still want to give the guy a chance. Like, he has been hand-tied this entire time, and he's doing what he can. He literally came out on the radio. And I thought I thought the timing of this was hilarious, which is why I never bought the Harden thing, because Daryl comes on the radio and says everything he literally can say except 
here's what we're trying to get in a trade. Like this man yeah. was, I mean, absolutely open in every way. And then the next day, Shams puts out a report talking about, well, we want to wait till the off season and get James Harden. I don't, I never bought that. And I think there's just so much spewing around James Harden, at least this year was never viable. And in the off season, like, I just don't get how people are talking about James Harden is unhappy now. So he's going to want to do this in the off season. That makes no sense to me. We are, do you know what could happen in six months? Yeah. Look at what's happened in the last six months. Like, I just think it's crazy. And I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to waste this and beat. I, you know, we know it best with, with Joel and like every game, every week, everything is precious when it comes to Joel. I'm not wasting mm-hmm. it, man. Like you said, I think the formula is there and Daryl can pull something off, man. Yeah. And just as you said about like things changing so quickly, like winning cures everything. So w- no matter what the feelings are in Brooklyn right now, they're still a very legitimate title threat this year. And if they string it, string it together, find a way to win a championship, I guarantee Harden feels a little better about the weather in New York and things are looking a little better with uh, Kyrie only being there part-time. So like that exact conversation could change. And there's also been such kind of a, I guess like weirdness to me and how strong the connection is with like Maury and James Harden. Like, to me, it's very different Two players like wanting to play with each other. And I, I put more weight in that, like guys trying to set up like a, playing on the team together versus like more is your boss and the guy that like it's just not quite the same to me. And I get there's a lot with Harden's appreciative of how he was treated in Houston, how the team was built around him, coach built around him. And I'm sure that all goes to some extent, but it's just not quite the the same. And the, the one thing I will say in favor and I, I guess my core thought process in James Harden is just James Harden can become a 76er if he wants to, but that has to be entirely driven by his desire to be here. And I don't think that changes pretty much whatsoever on what the Sixers do now at the deadline. I think Joel Embiid is the Lord, no matter if we get pieces and that, that's still kind of the same situation. And uh, to your point about like the Nets not wanting to kind of bail us out and trade here, it does change if he opts out of his player option and or and looks for a sign and trade. Like the leverage in that situation is completely different. And that's that would be Harden's way of saying, like, I'm leaving here. I'm about to walk. If you guys want to get something for me on the way out the door, I'm giving you that option. But otherwise, I'm finding another way, another place to play basketball. So I do see a possibility in the sign and trade. But once again, that ties back into like the do you just want to wait for Ben in the hopes of that? Or personally, I'm still out on that with you. Well, then my response to that would be, you know, is 2-5 going to move the needle for Brooklyn? Like, do you know what you're going to have to put in a trade package to get James Harden, like, in a, in a, let's just say, hypothetical sign and trade, you know? And I just, I don't know if that moves the needle. And I agree with you 100%. Like, if Harden wants to be here, he will find a way to be here. And, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not willing to wait till the offseason, waste the rest of the season, and then give up, you know, 2-5 Tyrese Maxey and whatever else. Like, I'm not... Because you know Brooklyn's going to demand that. They're at least going to try to get as much as they can out of us. Now, obviously, if James Harden's leaving, I just feel like that would be a weird swap. I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, for for that, I could. For a sign-and-trade, I could. Because, like, once again, the sign-and-trade and trade are too different from, like, a value aspect. Like, think about I, – I mean, I, I think there's too much made out of this comparison when people say the, the Jimmy Butler for Josh Richardson trade. But there's still, like, some weight there. And Josh Richardson was still looked at as, like, a – relatively decent piece and somebody that we were at least like somewhat happy with but it's it's even at the time was considered a downgrade and that's kind of the what a sign and trade is is basically like this guy wants out 
And and in Harden's case, he would be a free agent at the time because he would be opting out. So I think a, a Simmons for Harden swap isn't unrealistic with that. But and that is simply because of the the scenario and it being like a Harden's a, a free to go wherever that he's kind of a, doing the organization a favor by getting something in return. Yeah, I I definitely get it. I I just really don't even know how like if if they would view that as something that they'd want. I feel like they could look elsewhere, you know. And and true, very true. Or, or maybe even convince them to come back. Like. I don't know. I feel like I just feel like there's a lot of dominoes that would have to fall. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it's a big gamble as you know, it's not like Harden is an unrestricted free agent or, you know, obviously he could be like he opts out and stuff, but it, it's not like he's just going to be a free agent and we're going to have all the leverage to sign him. Like we're also strapped to the cap right now. And yeah. there's a lot going on with this team. Obviously, I think every superstar should be wanting to line up and play with Joel Embiid, but that's another story that, you know, we haven't really seen. Shout out to all 175 up in here, though, guys. Hit the like button. Subscribe if you're new. We will be opening the phone line soon. Uh, definitely follow Sean on Twitter. His handle's there, Sean underscore, underscore Bernard1. Does great coverage. Uh, we're chatting about everything Sixers, and I'm looking forward to hearing some calls because, you know, we're just up here giving our opinions. But, I mean, this is probably one of the most craziest situations in sports, like yeah. maybe in the last decade, maybe ever honestly and there's a lot of people on both sides of it but let's take a listen to what James Harden had to say yesterday because obviously with all this stuff coming out they were going to nail him with a bunch of questions mm -hmm. they were going to nail him with a bunch of questions and they pretty much asked him about his unhappiness quote in in Brooklyn so let's hear what he had to say hey James there's a there's some reports out today that say, that suggest that you might not be happy in Brooklyn or with the rotations that are happening, I'm just wondering, a if you can speak Reports to who? Uh, all right, then um, Bleacher Report. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, instead of speaking to the reports, can you just talk about your experience living in Brooklyn? What do you mean? The, the report suggested that you were unhappy. Some of reports. I don't. I don't know about reports. Did you guys hear from me? That's like, that's what I'm asking. All right, so um, I don't know about the reports. <laughs> do you enjoy New York City? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's James Harden after they asked him. He also went on to pretty much say, like, he's frustrated with the team. He wants them to play better, perform well. But, you know, he said, if the reports aren't coming from me, don't hear it. And then, obviously, if you're just tuning in, Woj tweeting out 20 minutes ago that Brooklyn is not going to trade him this year, which we pretty much knew at this point. It would be an offseason kind of gig. I just don't get how far Sixers fans are, are kind of willing to go. Um, and I also want to play a clip real quick. Um Where's this clip at? All right, I got it from from Shaq. I don't know if you heard this as well, but Shaq talking about two five and and like they were pretty much asked about what the Sixers need to do, and I just thought it was a great response by Shaq. Does anybody want them? So yeah, a lot of teams, a lot of teams, teams that do. It's just how much you want to give up to have them. Daryl Morey's been asking but, for a lot for Ben Simmons. He wants a star back, not just a. Bunch you you of can't teams. say uh, you you get Tobias and you got Ben. It's the same thing. Take away the points because Ben brings so much more to the game. Not like what. Coming at what you mean? Well, ben, like, when Ben and like Joel are on the same floor together, it's like the number one defensive unit okay. in the league. Uh, it, I just you noticed you kept calling him disagree. the other guy. I was there at Game Six last year in the house, so don't give me no numbers and no. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. Well, he struggled. I know he did. I mean, so, we've all struggled. So, but hey, I don't want to hear that. So, like, if you're supposed to be a defensive player, here, show me, right? Like, you know, every time y'all two go, up, oh, he's a. Candace Parker stop a D-Way stop. I already know y'all mentality. Okay, show me. So so all that stuff. He didn't show me that. So 
he don't want to be here. He felt like he got embarrassed. Cool, but I'm not. If I'm on the team, we're gonna forget about him. But I just mean, what's the value in keeping somebody that clearly doesn't want to be there? If I'm I mean, putting up forty, I every just night. thought if there was one big guy that was gonna understand the the value of having a really good guard next to him, it was going to be you. But is he really that good? I, I guess what we're talking about so is I'm, I'm going good. after a Beal or a Lillard or listen. Good to me is Penny Hardaway. This fella right here, LeBron James, Steve Nash. He ain't that. So if he ain't that, move on, get rid of him, get somebody. I mean, you know, y'all. So there's Shaq pretty much saying what I've been saying. Like, at this point, you got to cut some ties. You know, like, eventually you got to just realize where we're at. And if these rumors are true, right, the Kings are offering this and that and and the Pacers are looking to move. Obviously, all these teams kind of seem to be going downhill. We saw the Wizards yesterday, right, blow a 35-point lead. Bradley Beal looked like he was pissed off at that team, even though he kind of got his bucket scored on him. But Bradley Beal, like, there's all these options. And we still have two weeks to go. Like, Daryl has to maneuver something. Um, I just don't, you know, what What do you think? Do you think if we make a trade, you know, what, what else is it going to take for us to be in contention? Or do you think if we get a, you know, a quality starter, a couple pieces, some bench guys, you said Reggie Jackson. There's a couple others. It's you know are probably going to be shipped around. Might not be like the loudest trade deadline, but there will be some quality piece pickups. Just like last year, look at PJ Tucker. But um, do you, how far do you think this team really is from from contending? So I'll start with I think from my sense from the Sixers is I think Tobias Harris is more likely to get traded than Ben Simmons before the deadline at this point. I think, and when we think about it, like. First off, I, I don't want to beat the dead horse with Toby because I actually think he gets too much of a bad rap with he's a guy he does he's competing as hard as he can, does the best he can. He simply is being thrown into a role that he's not quite meant for. But with that being said, I where I think the the motivation for movement comes is when you just look at it, like this isn't a guy that optimizes Joel Embiid. This isn't he's a guy that operates out of the post. He shoots a lot of mid-range passes up catch and shoot threes and that's what Daryl Morey hates in a basketball player like the, especially the three-pointers just how slow he is with the decision making the processing that just not what Morey's about at all so I, I I do think that there's something there with that he has to kind of realize that and, and that has to be more motivation for him so I, I think that will change the picture if there is that kind of deal as far as what it takes to be a contender I mean, I think two legitimate like B plus players around Simmons, which I have Toby somewhat in that tier, maybe a little bit under, but I think two complimentary B plus players and that the Sixers are like legitimate contenders. And that's again, like what the Bucks did last year around Giannis. I see kind of a very similar team structural style that can work with Joel Embiid. And he is the level of high usage player and dominant player and a guy that can handle it that that's fine. He can be a guy that's expected to be the man with guys like that can compliment him around him. And he, he's definitely ready for that himself. So are you, are you completely out on Tobias? Like there's, I feel like there's like two places where Sixers fans stand. They're either done with him, or they think he can still be kind of optimized in a certain role. And um, I know you said there that you did, you said it was likely you thought it was likely that Tobias gets moved. Or yeah. I think more likely than Ben. I, I and what, how I stand on him. I still think he can be effective in a smaller role. And I don't dislike Tobias by any – like, I, there's people out there that hate Tobias. <laughs> I, I don't hate Tobias by any means. He's a guy that, like, he plays hard. He leaves his heart out there. He plays to the best of his ability. He just simply is, like, there's holes that that 
that hurt, like the lack of athleticism, yeah. the lack of quickness, just the, the if he was a more willing shooter, a three-point shooter especially, that would make a major difference in my mind. But it's just not quite like if they are to be the the contender and and do the build around guys that complement Joel Embiid, he's not quite that. And and to do that, which is a very hard way to win, which is doable, but as is any way to win a championship, but you have to get it exactly right with the group around Embiid. And he's not a perfect fit. So if he's not at the end of the day, that's kind of how you have to look at it. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know why, like, I don't hate Tobias. It's not like he's my favorite player, but I just feel like if we are to get another player, another score that can be kind of that second option to Joel Embiid, and then hopefully Tyrese Maxey can continue to grow on offense. I feel like at some points he gets suppressed by Doc Rivers, who we will need to touch on. But, you know, when it comes to Tobias Harris, like you said, if he can take more of a minimal role, if he's not taking 18 shots a game, if he's taking 10 to 12 shots a game, I, I still think my opinion that he can be a third to fourth option on a championship yeah. team. And I don't see anybody really looking to get his contract. Maybe this Kings thing is like, Maybe the Sixers pull a huge blockbuster and they create a ton of cap space eventually. I just don't know. I don't see it happening. And I think we got to rock and roll with Toby. Even maybe a lot of people don't want to hear that. But I, I, I think either none of them get traded or 2-5 gets traded and maybe Tobias. But yeah. I don't know. I, I just think. I, I just think our offense, our structure, and this takes us back to Doc Rivers, but like I don't think we operate the right way. Like, yeah, there's games where Tobias looks comfortable when he's making quick decisions, like you said. But too many times the ball is in his hands and he's trying to isolate. And I feel like with another score, what I'm trying to say is the pressure would kind of be taken off him a little bit. And I feel like he bears a lot of that on his shoulders. But what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And he was a guy that as much as we hate that Ben Simmons is do, obviously like brush over the fact that the Sixers would be a better team if Simmons were here. Tobias would be a guy that he very much benefited from like the catch and shoot threes that Simmons would set up. Same with Danny Green. Danny Green's been non-existent this year and was very effective last year when he was set up the way, right way, used the right way. Uh, the one thing I will say in Tobias' favor, and which is important to have around, he's really the only other guy that the Sixers just give to and say, go score. Like Even when we think about Maxie and Curry, every time they – score is pretty much Embiid involved in the play somehow, whether it's a dribble handoff, uh, just screen and roll, just setting a pick, just something. It's still Embiid like doing something. Like when Tobias just goes and tries to score, that's like Embiid's only chance during a day to just kind of like rest. And and that's important because he, he simply cannot be the guy on every single possession on both sides of the floor. And especially you see when he's worn out and defensively, it kind of hurts the Sixers because he's not quite like the rim threat. But there is a part of that that's just like, there has to be a realistic like Joel can't go all out every single play. So like it's important to have Toby to be like a guy that just be like, I, I need to break this possession kind of. So I don't think he gets enough credit for that either. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Tobias, you know, given the, the circumstances, given the fact he's asked to kind of be the number two guy and also he's getting paid a lot. He bears a lot of that on his shoulders as he should, but he's just not that dude. And I I've been saying this all season, like he's just going to give us 18 to 20 a game. Now, if he can do that a little bit more efficiently and also play defense, because some games it's like Tobias is locked in. And then some games he's just kind of like floating around out there. Like he needs to, to get engaged. And I think a lot of that comes with the scheme. And that kind of takes me to Doc Rivers. Like, I, you know, there's some people saying like 
Sixers might be cursed either way because of Doc Rivers and his inability to adjust his, you know, it, it seems like Tyrese Maxey's just out there one game. He can put up 27 the next game. He's not even taking shots. It's like, there's no structure. And this team gets very lazy. They, they start out bad against these terrible teams. And like, they're like, what's going on out there? It takes Joel Embiid heroics to win some of these games. It's like, what, what is your confidence level in Doc Rivers right now? One or two, not very high at all. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I'm pretty out on Doc Rivers as well. And uh, I mean, first off, we'll get, we'll, I'll get back to the, the antics with the media that have become kind of a thing. <laughs> but uh, just like from a, my biggest frustration is with like, obviously, I'm not questioning that he knows basketball because he's been a guy that's been around the game and coached for so long. It's so frustrating for a guy that obviously knows as much basketball he does to just not have like a feel for just the runs of a game and the ups and downs yeah. of the games and adjustments on the fly. He's a guy that like obviously does his homework going in, has his preparation, but he's not good at all at adjusting to that on the fly and making adjustments for what you have to do as a coach. That's a very important part of being a coach is being able to adjust to things on the fly. Like the zone defense is a, a, a great example of like the Pelicans started the game, started the second half in zone yesterday because the Sixers have been terrible against the zone. And that goes back to the slow decision-making, the, the tactics. Maxi's usage is another great example. of just so inconsistent and just not quite utilized the best way. Think about earlier in the beginning of the season, we were seeing Tyrese Maxey in the dunker spot. And it's like, <laughs> dude, this is the, the, one of the reasons I've been so excited for this season is that, that we don't have, like, don't just use him as Ben Simmons when he's clearly not. And I'm excited that he's not Ben Simmons. And I, there's been some progress there, which I guess is that. But uh, as far as, like, the antics with the media, and I was lucky enough to be in the post-game conferences last year for pretty much every one. And it's kind of the – he just has this tone of, like, a – I, I hate the answer of like the I know more ball than you, and that's kind of the core of his reply, which Doc Rivers leans on pretty heavily. And I mean, we saw the clip the other night with uh, the Austin Krell. It was that asked him the question, and he said, "How yeah. uh, would you ask Pop that question?" And it's like, dude, Greg Popovich has five championships. You have won, and and the five championships that Popovich has won is from a system that he implemented. He found guys that fit, and he built a legitimate dynasty in San Antonio, and just. Doc, you you not that you lucked into it because I will give him some credit, but it's like they're just not the same. And to lump yourself in that category is a little egregious to me. So I definitely get sick of the the stuck up kind of I know more when it's like we're asking you these questions to, to see how you're thinking. Don't take offense to him and don't walk your on your high ground. Yeah, he gets way too arrogant. And for the first, you know, like when, when Doc came here, like I was so excited about it because I thought we finally had a guy that was gonna hold everybody accountable. That was the notion on it. And yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of going in the opposite direction. Like, I'm not going to say he hasn't made the team better because I feel like certain things have locked in and gotten better. But overall, especially from last year to this year, like the constant defense and, you know, he says those things that you just mentioned and then he gets proved wrong. And then, you know, you have this thing where he's comparing himself to Popovich. Like, yeah, you you look at the guys you've had on your roster the last seven, eight years. And you've collapsed leads. You've collapsed four leads. Look at what you did last year in the postseason, Doc. And, I mean, it's absolutely crazy to me. And yeah. for him to consistently come out here and, and act like we don't have valid questions about this team, like it's – he just needs to stop that, man. And, I mean, let's not forget, we have pretty good assistance on this team. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't mind at all giving Sam Cassell a nod or, or Dave Yeager or even Dan Burke. Dan Burke was so freaking excited when he got to coach a couple games, like he was pumped up. 
I mean, he had a great answer when asked about the Tobias thing. Like we, we got to like, I'm, I'm starting to get very worried. Even if we make a trade or whatever, that I don't trust doc rivers in the playoffs. Like I'm very, very worried at this point. And I've been waiting this season to see like, all right, will he adjust in this aspect? Will he adjust here? But it's the same thing. Every game, he doesn't try things. He doesn't give Isaiah Joe minutes. Now he does now that he's freezing cold and, and, you know, some of the rotations down the stretch, like it's the same thing every game. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't really trust it that much right now. Yeah. I feel like there's an aspect of doc that's just kind of over it in a way. And that's like, a, he would rather be on a golf course. He would rather be at home. Like he's, he's been doing this for a long time. And if that is the case, then go do those things, man. Like, and, and he won't because he's, and I don't think he's a guy that's in, in danger of losing his job. Like I think from all accounts, the Sixers, ownership and front office has the utmost faith in them and love and i i do think it should be like noted that doc rivers was hired before daryl morey was even hired like and and that goes both ways to like a doc isn't necessarily daryl's guy but also like this is a guy who's been in place before daryl got here and i i agree that i was super excited for the accountability thing and the just doing that from i mean we've seen how things have unraveled so it sounds like the behind the scenes is that like that did not go well with two five when that was attempted and that him and doc did not really get along. But if that was the case, like I do think doc deserves a ton of credit for putting on the brave face and defending him to the utmost extent to the media in a frustratingly amount of ways. And then for Ben to then take that much offense to the one comment post game, I think is a little crazy, but at his core, I, I, I do agree that doc rivers, I have some legitimate concerns if the game has come and gone without him going with it to some extent yeah there's just been too many uh too many instances this season where like and then doc like i said he he doesn't only collapse the 24 point lead but he he puts fuel onto the fire like just let it go doc like just you got to realize what this city is at some point and like you said he was he kind of had one foot out the door honestly because he was getting ready to retire or at least take a year off and then yeah you know this job came along i don't think he wanted to deal with all this drama and here he is uh in year two but yeah i mean it's definitely interesting stuff shout out to everybody in the chat 215 up in here guys hit the like button we're about to open up the phone lines take a couple callers we want to get your thoughts so on the james harden thing on joel Embiid, on what the sixers should do at the deadline because obviously what are we like 15 days away like i mean it's inching up here and let me ask you this and and guys the number is down below 215-798-7638 call into the show give us some thoughts uh let me ask you this, like your gut instinct right now, if you had to say, I don't know, like a percentage, like what is the percentage that we make a trade before the deadline for, you know, we get, we get two five out of here and we get whatever, a package role players, whatever. What do you think the percentage is that we do make a trade? Um, So I'll say like 95 that some sort of trade happens as far as it regarding Simmons specifically, I'm going to say probably like 40% right now. 40%. Hmm. Not good enough. <laughs> yeah, I hope that changes. I hope that changes, but that's my feeling right now. And it turned totally I mean, good too. Yeah, I think we're gonna make a trade. I think we yeah. need to upgrade the bench because they've been way too inconsistent. We have maybe one or two guys that are, you know, viable for you know going forward. And um, but making the two five trade, I really don't know. I really don't. I'll put it at fifty percent. I just don't know what to expect anymore. Like we've heard this, we've heard that. I just you know. I'm I'm probably going to lose my mind if we don't because I think it is disrespectful to Joel Embiid. And I just had enough. And people want to say, oh, well, 
let's be patient. Let's wait and see what happens. No, I, I don't want to waste this in bead. Imagine, you know, him putting on that jersey every night, going out here and just completely just even getting better than he was before and just taking on so much responsibility. And imagine not doing anything at the deadline, right? I feel like this year, Joel's been throwing subliminals at 2-5. I feel like he does it every chance he gets. Joel's starting to get that little, that that agitation inside him. I feel like he's starting to think like, yo, like, I need some help, man. I need some help. And if we don't make a, a move happen, I don't even know what to think about the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do. I, I'm very confident that there will be some sort of trade to help this team. And I think Maury pretty much said that in when he was talking to like, even if there isn't a Ben deal and that Maury decides the value isn't there, he wants to wait. I do think there's going to be some sort of roster shakeup to the point where it at least gives us a shot, whether that's Danny Green and a young guy and maybe Danny Green and whoever for a, a viable piece or something like that. Like I, I think Danny Green is a pretty likely guy that's going to be out the door here. And I, I think when he signed the deal, that that was kind of clearly the case. The the $10 million is very tradable to attach to a young guy and entice the team. So I, I think there will be some new blood in here by the time the deadline's over. I wish I was more confident about the Simmons. And that's very much my gut feeling surrounding Maury, not necessarily what I, what I would do in those shoes. Can you even trade Danny Green at this point? Is it even possible? Like, this man is signed for $10 million. Like, I never even thought it would be this bad, but Danny Green has nothing left, bro. I, I yeah. don't, I can't believe it. Like, it's gotten this bad. And I've been waiting for that turn. And, you know, he finally gets a chance to come back. He hits a couple shots and then he gets injured again. So it's like, you got to cut that dead weight, man. And, and look, if we end up going the route where we do trade Tobias, like you had said, and, and we end up retooling, okay, fine. I mean, I, I guess that's what you can do, but. I don't I I still don't think it's out of reach this year. Like I don't think there's no teams in the East that really strike me like, yeah, they're they're gonna be the threat. They're gonna just dominate everybody. I don't personally see that. What do you think? Uh yeah, I think it's very tight. Like I A, I think it should be a huge credit to the Sixers for hanging in there with these. Like I think the Bucks are a legitimately good team. I think the Nets are a legitimately good team. I think the the Heat and the Bulls, obviously the injuries are a big deal there, and we'll see how that shakes out with uh Levine just came back Lonzo's out DeRozan's been phenomenal so uh, there's a lot of very good teams it's going to be competitive uh but I think the Sixers are are not far off from being in the mix which is a, a major credit to them for for fighting through being there right now and really just competing I mean it, it is super impressive at this stage in the season as all the drama and there's been so much just off-court talks all year and all the Ben Simmons stuff looming the fact that we're only two games out of first place is pretty ridiculous. So yeah. I, I do think it's a credit to the team and a sign that we should go for it. And we're pretty close. Yeah. It's crazy to think like which way we should go and all shout out to Kevin with the $5 donation. Shout out to all the channel members as well. Kevin says, I take a bag of chips for two, five. If it helps Joel, by the way, I think Perk said and beat is the best center of all time. I mean, from a talent perspective, like what Joel is doing, I think he's just revolutionizing the game. I don't think we've ever, like back in the 80s, 90s, you saw these guys start to do, you know, you saw them as the biggest threat of their time. I think that's what Joel is now. Like he's the Shaq of this era. He's the Hakeem, like just the guy that was just different, you know, and, yeah. and I think Embiid's just out of this world. But let's go to the lines. Let's get uh, some thoughts up in here. Yo, what's going on? You are on the show. Give us some thoughts. Hello? Hello? Yo, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Um, love the channel. Appreciate what you do. Uh, Thank you, man. 
Philly sports are kind of frustrating, but it's good to voice the uh, opinion sometimes. But uh, absolutely, I mean, the question I gotta ask is like, are we committed to winning a championship right now, like this year or next year? Well, what what do you think about that? Because I I don't know. I think it all it we'll we'll know by the display of actions in the next couple of weeks if we are committed to winning. What do you think, though? I mean, sorry, there's like a relay. I'm gonna step away from watching your stream. Um, like, look, I think if we make a trade at the deadline, we're not gonna be happy. I think with the Bucks, there's no shot we have a matchup with the Bucks with the Bucks unless Embiid gets like a Chris Middleton. Like, the Sixers just don't have a guy to give the ball to when Embiid is either resting on the floor or off the floor. Like. I feel like we can't trust anybody and we can only rely on guys in rhythm. And like, what are you going to do in the playoffs in the fourth? Like, are you going to wait for a guy to get in rhythm or are you just going to force the ball on Joel's hands? Like, I feel like you need a guy that is proven that can go get that bucket in that time. Well, that, yeah, that that's why you make a trade. That's why you go get somebody. You got to make something happen. You know, like if you want that guy, if you think we can, we can have a shot. I, I disagree with that notion. I think we can contend with anybody if we get a couple pieces though. But if we don't, I, I would agree with you. Like, I don't think we can do anything. I just don't know who's available to fit that role, you know? Yeah. Like, Daryl Moore is probably one of the smartest people in his position. Like, I'm not going to act like I know more than him, but, like, I can't think of names that we haven't been flirting with that would yeah. fit that role, you know? Like, yeah. like C.J. McCollum could be a guy, but, like, I don't even know if that would be enough to take down – like Bucks or even the Suns, like, like I don't want to push a trade to satisfy people, and then we realize it's not enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like either way, you're going to have people that disagree. You know, like Maury's got to do what he yeah. feels is best for the future of the franchise, both now and in the long term. So, I think on on that note, yeah, you, for sure, you scan and see what's up. But yeah, I appreciate the call, man. Good take. Thank yeah, you, of course, for sure. Yeah, and one thing I will say on that too is, uh, I mean, if we're talking about other targets outside of like the big deal, like there's plenty of names that pop up. Like when we think about, I saw in the chat, somebody said Eric Gordon, which I think is a great shout. Like that's a guy that's just on on a struggling Rockets team, a team that's going, DJ Augustine is another, another guy on there, which not that DJ Augustine is a guy that would move the meter for a championship a significant bit, but adding a guy that's a legitimate point guard to the second unit would absolutely help this team. And I even think like Tyrese Halliburton, which who knows if he's up for grabs or not, but that's a guy, even though he's not like a go get a bucket guy, he would make a massive difference in just how like fluent the Sixers offense looks and, and setting looks up for guys. And just the way like there's such a stagnation in the, the current offense that I think like adding a legitimate guard that can just help move the ball, set plays, run, run the offense the way it needs to be. That would make such a difference. And I, I think like just the look of that would change kind of how people feel about how far the Sixers are. I agree. And, and I'm all about having like a solid seven, eight, nine rotation. You know what I mean? Especially in playoff time. Like if we get a couple good role players, I would not be mad at that. If we get like a decent starter and a couple role players to really help solidify the bench. Cause I think, like you said earlier, Joel's so great. You know, you bring in the second unit or, or mix and match guys. Like we have dudes that can score the ball better than what we have now, better than shake Milton and Furkan and, and off the bench. Like I still feel like we can put up points and, 
I don't know. I mean, I I feel like we got to make something happen at least. But uh, see who we got on the line. Yo, what's going on? You're on the show. Hey, what's going on, man? What up, man? Can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. I got I got one question. Um, what makes this? Do you first of all, you don't think they can make the finals this year with the team that they got built around and be? Uh, what do you mean, like right now at the current time? I mean, like when the playoffs come, you know they're gonna break down the rotation. But yeah, but I mean, like right now, my question like, to you: trade yeah. or like after a trade? Uh, what you're saying? No, no. Basically, if we don't make no trades, just mm-hmm. say we don't make any trades. You don't think that we can compete uh, for championship I, I this year? I don't. I don't. What are what's the difference between this team and the 2001 Sixers team who went to the finals? Who did Iverson really have? I mean, yeah, you can compare this team and that team. It's, you know, I mean, a, a 20-year difference. I mean, look at look at the other teams. And I'll also say from a roster construction standpoint, like that was a complimentary team of AI. Like Eric Snow is a guy who he was everything that AI wasn't as a guard. And he was a guy that ran the offense, could set guys up and just let Iverson be like the guy that goes and scores. And I, I think if there were the pieces put together to complement Embiid in that similar way, I'm on board with it. I just think it's a, a like Tobias Harris and Embiid's kind of complimentary is far off from like Eric Snow and AI. Well, that's that's the only question I had. Uh, you guys have a good one. Thank, Thank you, you, man. I think I think there's a ton of big dogs. Uh, obviously, we ran into the big dogs in LA, and you see what happened. I mean, let's be real. Like that should that Sixers team like. Were they the favorite to get to the finals? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, you had AI, who was a a show every single night, but then look at what they had around them. And I'm not saying that those pieces weren't good, but they weren't top tier by any means. And it's kind of hard to compare, you know, two different eras like that, because look at how the games played now. Look at the other teams around. Like, if we don't make any moves right now, what we're saying is that we have a $30 million hole in the roster. You know what I mean? And we're not really doing much like we can we can get to the show we can win a round right maybe compete in the second round but we're not we don't have enough depth in my opinion to kind of make something happen yeah i th- i think sixers are in a seven game series uh, at least a, a notable bit back from uh, when you look down the top of the east the bucks the nets I think the Cavs would give them a run for the money. I think the 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 Heat, the Bulls, these are all teams that like legitimately are just a little bit more complete and put together as great as Joel is. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, just even a team like you just said, right, like the Miami Heat, the way that those dudes are going to play us, I've been saying all year, they're going to be the most annoying team just because they have oh, yeah. every dude that's just going to be right in your face. We don't have guys. We don't have an AI. Maybe we do in Tyrese Maxey, maybe a very much like – a smaller version of them right now, but like we don't even use them the right way, right? Like we don't have those shot creators. And when we play these tough defensive teams in the playoffs, they're going to, they're going to strap up in a half court and it's going to be very frustrating trying to create offense. If, if we're, if we can't create offense against some of these bad teams we're playing. Imagine in the playoffs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, t- I, my bad. I totally agree there. And uh, it, it's weird. Like, Miami, I agree with, is going to be a super annoying team, and especially with like Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, Tyler here. Like these are all guys that will just kind of bear down and and get it and, and be ready for the grind of the the season. Which that isn't exactly how I feel about this Sixers team. Like when we think about looking for a playoff team, like 
obviously Embiid is great. Embiid is who he is. When we think about beyond that, like Seth Curry is a guy. I know he's awesome for offensively, but he's a guy I have legitimate concerns for in the in the postseason. And, and when we think back to like last year, like Seth Curry is a guy I would not mind complimenting on in a trade piece. Like if this is a a throw into a deal as long as we're upgrading from that because he obviously does so much offensively but when we think back to that hawk series a we're totally out of it if his offense isn't there because he was red hot but def- yeah. defensively it was kevin herter that was killing us and kevin herter is not a guy that should be eyeing up his matchup and going to score on it pretty yeah. much every basket approach which at the end of the day like that's a major hole and as as frustrated as people get with like matisse for the lack of offense that's sometimes how i feel about like seth with like the lack of defense and to, to most of it, it's not much that he can do. Like, it's his size. It's his lack of acceleration, lack of verticality. And as much as he tries, that is a legitimate hole. Yeah, exactly. And I think you need I think you need a wing on this team. I think you need some more. 100%. Uh, let's get some more thoughts. Go back to the lines. Yo, what's going on? You're on the show. Hey, what's up? What up, man? Doing good, man. Hey, uh, I just wanted to bring up uh, the James Harden situation. I don't think it's feasible. Why Why would Brooklyn trade one of the top 10 best players in the league to their division rival? Especially after Maury said uh, last week on the Mike Missinelli show that he would think about doing a package for Ben Simmons for a top 40 player, uh, you know, uh, and some young talent, maybe some picks. Well, what do you think the Nets would then request for James Harden? It would, it would have to be more than just Ben Simmons. And I'm not willing to give that up for, you know, a guy that's going to be, what, 33, 34 years old and give him a huge contract. You know, he might be good for two years, but once those legs give out on him and, you know, father time is undefeated, uh, you're then stuck with a guy that we're paying $60 million a year that we're not getting much out of. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious. The one thing I will say age-wise with Harden is I, I think his game won't be that harmful as he ages. Like, I think he's a guy that will have a decent longevity to his career and in a similar way to what we see with, like, Chris Paul. And, like, he's, he's still – obviously has lost a step in, but is still a very high-level contender. And, I mean, as far as the – it's a valid point about the Nets being willing to do it. I, I don't see them. They're definitely not going to be itching to trade James Harden by the the Sixers by any means. I do think moving forward, there will be a shift in the conversation, I think, may shift to Kyrie Irving as a more likely kind of target they're willing to give away. I also, Ben Simmons would be terrific in a role where, like like with the Nets, where he can just be a guy that plays defense, runs the break, shoots the ball five, six times a game. And that's what he wants to do. And I, I do think that alongside like Kevin Durant is a very good, like, duo so i i think there is like some appeal there from the nets but i agree he's not going to be itching to to give james harden to the sixers yeah and i i, I think but, the but only... do you really think do you really think james harden's body is going to be able to hold up i mean he is a guy who doesn't really take the best care of his body in the off season and he is a player that's been made a career basically pump taking you drawing you up in the air and colliding bodies so uh, you know there's some wear on those tires I don't, I don't know. I do like a name that you brought up earlier. I really like the idea of – it's a cheaper move, uh, but I would love bringing in Reggie Jackson from the Clippers. Yeah, 
Yeah, I would be all in on that as well. I think he's a pretty chronically underrated guy that when he is fully healthy, he's a very good basketball player and a guy that is a significant couple uh, tiers of dollars underneath. Like he would be more in kind of like like the Clippers, if they're in sell mode, which there have been reports that there are, who knows what's true, what's not. But with Kawhi and Paul George out, they're obviously not in firm contention this year. So if they're looking for young guys, like if there's a package that's built around like a Jaden Springer, even Paul Reed, some of our young talent, and figure out how to make the money work, I would absolutely be all in on Reggie Jackson. I, I think I saw that his contract's only $11 million. Yeah, so, so that would be Danny Green and a young guy. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of the James Harden thing, like, I have some concerns more about his ability to kind of adapt, you know, because obviously with the new rules and the way the game is, like, I think James Harden has done a great job in terms of becoming a better facilitator. But in terms of what the Sixers need, they still need that guy to put the ball on the floor. And, I mean, it, you know, Harden would have to take on a massive role. And, you know, people are willing to pay this guy $60 million a year. Like, I don't know. that You're stretching it for me just a little bit. I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good fit in terms of, you know, on the floor. But $60 million? Like, this guy, what he wasn't even there when you needed him last year in the playoffs, you know? Can I yeah. leave you guys with this? What about – uh? What's going on with the Wizards? That terrible game that they had last night, losing that 35-point lead. And if you looked on their fans' uh, uh, Twitter um, posts, they were calling for the team to trade Bradley Beal. Yeah. They they basically had enough of what this team's producing. I get, even uh, a member of their organization said that last night was rock bottom. Yeah. If this can, team starts spiraling out of control, is it is this you know, out of reason that they might deal Bradley Beal. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, they absolutely should. It, it sounds like Beal has pretty much little interest in re-signing this offseason. I, I think it would be not a smart move from the Wizards if they do decide to keep him, but I'm not putting it past it. And Bradley Beal's a guy that, frankly, would be higher on my list than James Harden in terms of, I mean, he's four or five years younger than Harden. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily like a, a winning player from – there's a lot of kind of I see the the loser energy, the some of that with Beal, which concerns me a little bit. But I think that can get shaken out of him in the right system with the right guys around him. And him and Joel would be absolutely you excellent. You put him with Joel Embiid, and that's done and over with. 100%. Yeah. I agree 100%. Hey, appreciate the call, man. Thank you, bro. Have a good night, gentlemen. Appreciate it. I, I would have to disagree with you there. Well, not, not disagree with you, but I kind of tend towards the caller there in that you put Bradley, like, I feel like Bradley Beal gets wasted year after year. And I know they tried to do stuff for him this year. They tried to give him some complimentary pieces, but it's just not going to work in Washington. And the person that needs to see that is Bradley Beal. Like, he's constantly coming out here saying, I want to stay in Washington. I want to, you know, have the franchise built around me. Well, guess what, Bradley? You're 27, whatever you are, 28. And at this point, it's not working. It's not working. And you put him next to Joel Embiid, it's completely different. And I agree with you. I think he's a perfect fit for this team. It's just about, is he going to, you know, want to get out of there? And, you know, he didn't sign his extension either. He didn't right. sign his extension. Like the Wizards, if they were smart, if they were smart as a franchise, would try to move him now before he ends up just walking away or, or trying to get paid and then get traded. And then, you know, it gets complicated and all. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And once again, I mean, with pretty much all these situations, it's based on like, like, do these guys actually want to leave? Are the teams actually willing to part? And it's it's been a weird disconnect with Bradley Beal and the Wizards as a whole. And 
this has been a, a much, much worse year for Beal by his standards. And it, it was also weird to me at the very beginning of the year when the Wizards started hot and when they were a top team in the East for this was like 10 games in the season. But that was like the most miserable I'd seen Beal look on a basketball court. Like he was kind of moping around doing that. And I'm like, dude, you guys are like winning right now. Like this is the best you guys looked in forever. And I mean, uh, another guy, if the Wizards are in blow up mode, that does interest me a great deal it would be spencer dinwiddie who uh, would be a, a phenomenal fit for what the sixers need alongside maxi in the backcourt and that's yeah. a name that i absolutely would be willing to explore but a bill would be a phenomenal headliner as well yeah i agree 100 I, I think that the sixers need some length they need a wing i've been tired you know watching this for years where we don't have an adequate forward like obviously yeah. we have tobias harris who's kind of like a different type of four in my opinion like he's more versatile as compared to some, you know, power fours that just are spot up shooters and stuff like that. But in addition to Tobias, like we've constantly been trying to run out there with Robert Covington and Danny Green at small forward. Like it's just not a natural fit. And obviously two five never became that point forward that we wanted him to be. I, I think we need a wing player. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. My if you pin me down and say you can name any player in the world that you could flip for Ben Simmons right now. Jalen Brown would be my number one. And I, I don't think, I think the Celtics are still probably a year away from actually breaking up those two. But uh, to me, that would be perfect. I think a, a legitimate wing and to, to talk about the Sixers right now, the impact that Charlie Brown Jr. has made just from the energy and the athleticism in, in his body is, is a very telling to me for what, how much of an impact like a, a more polished and more complete version of that could look like. And that really is like a, a legitimate NBA wing is what that could be. And I mean, that would cover up so many issues for what like we're facing when we talk about like a, a wing that can rebound and defend specifically. And the Sixers are there. Like, I think it's that close. I just, it's hard to find those guys. Yeah, I agree. And, and I see people in the chat saying, you know, Bradley can opt out and sign a bigger contract. Yeah, that's true. But look at it from the Wizards perspective. Like, they are constantly trying to get new players and they built this new supporting cast with some guys that are actually producing decently well, I guess. And look at them. They're still doing there's They still can't get out of that hole. So what point do the wizards look at it? And, you know, they tried to put Russ around, like they tried different things. When do they look at it? And they just say like, all right, we, we have to start over. Like we just have to move in a different direction. Maybe they don't, maybe they sign them and they keep on going. It would be a shame, honestly, to see, I guess Bill get wasted uh, in Washington, but who knows? I also am a big advocate of Jalen Brown. I just don't know what the Celtics are going to do. There's just too many unknowns, man. And yeah. I'm getting nervous here with a couple weeks ago. Like we need some more rumors, man. We need something to spice it up just a little bit. Yeah. I do think it's a case where like once the first domino falls, a lot will come after. And I think that something has to happen. Like there's enough chatter and enough teams like on the verge of when we think about like, the Pacers, the Pacers are a team that has to be itching. The Kings, the Hawks, the, there's plenty of teams that like need a shakeup. That I feel like something has to happen. And once that starts to snowball, I think the Sixers will be firmly in the mix for all of that. And if we can find the right shakeup for that, like that's all we're asking for. Yeah, we need something to happen, in my opinion. Something has to has to get this team rolling and pushing towards the playoffs. Shout out to all 220 up in the chat, guys. Hit the like button if you are in here enjoying the stream. Definitely subscribe and follow both of us on Twitter. The handles are down below. We'll take a few more callers. Give us some thoughts. Sixers trade stuff. James Harden uh, waiting, trading. What do you guys think we should do as an organization? What do you think is in the best interest of the team right now? Let's get some thoughts. What's going on? You're on the show. 
Hello, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well. Uh, so what I want to say is I want to see the Sixers build around Joel Embiid. And I think Ty- Tyrese Maxey is going to be really good. Right now, like, I think he should still be, like, a six-man off the bench right now and for a few years. And then I, I feel like all the times that Sixers have tried to build around Embiid, they, they brought in power forwards and big, and it's only clogged the pain up, and it's caused more trouble on him by uh, letting teams double cover him, but also because they're uh, trying to uh, cover the paint with the other power forward like they did with um, Corker that it causes Embiid to have to go outside and it causes Horford to have to go outside and it only makes more difficult chemistry for the team. And, of course, Ben Simmons comes into that play too because he would never shoot and he would try to get down low and try to take the, take the ball to the basket and then teams would know what to do and know what to expect. And then it would give teams a 3-0 advantage on the Sixers because it would take away in Simmons from trying to be able to take the ball to the basket cover and be double cover him or also cover uh Horford and then make them have to go outside to get their baskets or shoot. So I think the Sixers need to try to put guards around and be and in order to help uh the spacing of the floor. I'm not saying just any type of guards, but guards that can be able to uh uh dribble and handle the ball ball, create their own shot, shot creators, because what we've seen uh, build around Embiid, it's only caused more drop, drama and, and difficulty for this team and lack of chemistry. So me, I want to see guards around Embiid let me ask and shot creators and, and a guard this. that will be able to even even um, assist and uh, create shots for other players. Let me ask you this. I, I mean, I'm, I understand your logic. I think you have good points. I don't understand, though, then what would be the point of moving Tyrese Maxey to the bench? Because everything you just listed off, that's what Tyrese does. Or that's at least what he can do if uh, someone named Mr. Doc Rivers would at least give him more of a shot to do so. But, you know, creating your own shot, getting other guys involved, you know, spacing the floor, that's what Tyrese Maxey does. Um, why, why would then he have to get moved to the bench? Well, because I don't want to make uh, Tyrese Maxey uh, – feel like he has to do more than he should right now because you know a lot of times players will be forced to uh, put more on their shoulders than they have to a lot of times I'm not saying that maybe maybe I'm wrong because you heard you heard last year at the draft Tyrese Maxey's dad makes him get up every day at 6 a.m. or even 5 a.m. to get into the gym and the guy does not stop working his butt off he still does that to, to this day as a basketball player gets up early in the gym is always getting better wanting to put effort in and do anything he can so I feel like the guy's going to be great but I'm just saying like he's still 21 years old and by the time he's 25 he's going to be a great guard in this league but I don't want to feel like he has to do more than he should right now so when I see uh, when I see people keep saying that, that we want Colin we want Sabonis we want Ingram we want uh Siakam I just shake my head because that hasn't worked on the Sixers with Horford and you know, I just don't understand it. We need guards that can help Embiid. Yeah, at its core, I agree with what you're saying, too. The The thing I will say that with Maxi, I think would go a long way to helping Maxi is if the Sixers could find some sort of legitimate, like, 
point guard or guy that can run the offense because Maxie's done a very good job like developing and learning how to do that but that's really not him like even dating back to Kentucky like he was the third option as a guy running the offense he's pretty much a, a guy I, I do see shades of AI and like the stylistic and obviously they they go about things very different but just in terms of a guy that seeks his shot first goes to create and I think if there was some playmaking responsibilities taken off Maxie's shoulders and just saying like go score and go do your thing I think that'd be awesome. I also don't think yeah. there's there's too much of like every time Embiid is not on the court, Tyrese Maxey should be, and that sometimes does not correlate. Last night it didn't correlate. There were several minutes in the second quarter where uh, both those guys were off, and we saw the Pelicans going on a run. So he's a guy that I think should be looked mm -hmm. at as like the focal point. And I agree, there's so much thrown on this guy. Like it's so hard. Uh, like I can't be critical because he's already exceeded so many expectations, but. I would like for his yeah, role to shift into a more natural, just him scoring, which I think is at its core what he's best at. Right. Mm -hmm. And then who who would we have as like the um um the true um not not the point guard? Who would we have as the um, shooting guard? Who would we bring in then? Yeah, I, I mean, these are all things. I think the only reason Maxi would go to the bench is if a trade is done. I, I also think we, we've talked a lot about Danny Green and how old he is, which he certainly is. I think Danny Green would do much better in a two-guard role. Like, asking him to guard wings right now is pretty ridiculous for the how he moves yeah. and how old he is. And asking him to guard guys that are bigger than him. And I think in a more subtle, like Danny Green, if we move him to the two guard, take some defensive responsibility off you, I think there's enough to like, he can be a, a successful role player again. So I think there, that, no, that's, like, what that, that's what I believe, but I'm yeah. saying for like the top, for like a, a, a three, like, you know, a big three of Embiid and then the starters, who would that be? Because I don't think Danny Green's a starter and I don't, th I don't think, um, Seth Curry is a starter, so I'm talking about players that are in that are not even in their prime yet, and I want to be able to see this team have a have a three, a four three behind them with Embiid, of course, the leader, and then two guards that will help uh, supplement and and take the pressure off. And whether it's like a shooting guard, I'm not saying like a Buddy heel because all that guy does is just shoot and shoot and shoot. But yeah. I want somebody that can also handle the ball and shoot yeah. like him, but not just. Uh, stay there and shoot all the time you know yeah. and then have a point guard and then maybe that's maxi but i don't think maxi should be that right off the bat right now but maybe maybe i'm wrong nah, hey, i think you make valid points man appreciate the call yeah man i i i've hated this thing for years where we talk about like this fit with danny green at the three it's like it makes no sense like i know we we wanted to get shooters around two five joel i get it Maybe two five could end up becoming like that point forward, but we need a we need a three badly, badly. Yeah. Like you just like Danny Green has never played that position in his life. Like he is a natural shooting guard, and that is you know he's a three and D player. That's what he is. It's and I feel like we have too many guys that we want to become like three and D players. We need more athleticism on a team. We need that wing who is like honestly two five was was supposed to be that guy, a guy that could be anywhere on the floor, play great defense, but also score the ball and score at will. He just never took that step. You know, we need, we need kind of that impact player. And if we could get a big three man of Tyrese Maxey, of forward and Joel, like I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah, it is crazy. Like when you, when we, when you sit back and think about like what the Sixers are missing or what they need, so much of that is what Ben Simmons does. And it's very clear, like this team was created 
for Ben and Joel to be the guys on it. And yeah. I mean, frankly, it's disappointing for where we're sitting right now for a guy holding out and whatever you want to call what's going on. But they're, they're definitely, you can tell like the way this team was built. And as far as Danny Green specifically, like it, it, it made some sense for him to play the three when Simmons was there. Cause he's a guy that can obviously guard bigger guys, shift down that allows Danny to move here. Ben's no longer here. So like that needs to be adjusted from Danny's perspective. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. I'm seeing a bunch of people blow me up here talking about the Kings. Let's see. Did they, did they lose again? Yeah, they're down they're by tw- 22 points. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Jeez. Harrison Barnes with twenty-eight points. Halliburton with eleven. Fox not in tonight. Yeah. Kings are struggling. They have to. They have to do something, man. Um, I would. I think that would be the best option right now. A three-team trade, like we both said earlier. Get a couple role players from the Kings. Um, maybe a couple picks from from either team, and and then bring another player in, man. Try something. I. I just think Joel is way too great right now. I really do. And um, yeah, I mean, how how much longer? Like the Kings are 18 and 31. How much longer can it go on? You know? Yeah. And it's it's not like this is like a, a down year anomaly for him. Like this is how the Kings have been trending for a long, long time. Like dating back, literally, it's been 15 years since they've had a winning season, which is pretty absurd for an NBA team. And I mean, as much as like we get frustrated with the patient approach for Daryl Morey, like the sitting back and watching these back-to-back games happen, like that is a more motivation for them to pull a deal as more is sitting comfortably. Yeah, exactly. And let me ask you this. Uh, one of the last questions I want to ask you, like, is there anybody besides Joel that you would deem untouchable right now on the squad? I think some of, I think Maury considers Maxi for the most part untouchable for me personally, I would say just Joel, but obviously depending on the player, I would love to keep Maxi here. I have such high hopes. I think, like, I, I would just love, I just would yeah. love to see what he grows into. But outside of that, like, I, I'm all in on doing whatever it takes to build the proper team, which, frankly, the Sixers manager has not done yet. And to to the one call, caller's point, I totally agree. The, the amount of forwards and the Al Horfords and the amount of moves that have just clogged things up and just not allowed things to happen has been really a sin at this point. And, to some extent, I think that's developed Joel into the player he hit, he has become, which I'm thankful for. Like as far as the shooting, the stepping out, the handling of the ball, those are all things that like he probably would have never had to do if those didn't happen. So in the end, it's working out. But they absolutely have not done the best job of complimenting him. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, here we are, you know, and it's it's I don't even know. Like we're we're at a point in the season where we're the six seed. Like, I mean, I see it in front of us, like. Joel is just ascending to this different level, like even more than we even thought. And it's just crazy to think like with a hole in the roster, like we're still playing decent. Like Joel is carrying this team that much. Um, And we have a big game against the Lakers tomorrow. So, you know, I I don't know. I I feel like we've come out pretty solid against some of these big teams this year. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, like, I'm I'm pretty happy with how the Sixers are playing, especially since everybody's gotten healthy. And if you take away that stretch of COVID, like it's been a pretty solid season so far. So I, my tune, I guess, is more positive right now than I would have expected to be at this point. And it's yeah. it's frustrating to be kind of so much uncertainty for where they sit. Like realistically, I think you and me are on the same page. It's like if they go into the playoffs like this, it's pretty much like a one and done or maybe win around and that's about it. 
for if they get the right trade pieces catapults them into legitimate contenders so we just have to sit back and watch but it could be worse for where they're sitting right now i guess yeah it definitely could uh we'll take one more caller if anybody wants to chime in give us some last thoughts kp with the five dollar donation says if only we had kept michael bridges he would have fixed the wing problem now we have to hope the celtics panic and give us jalen brown and then we look for a veteran point guard man Michael Bridges, imagine that. Imagine having a guy that can do do it on both sides of the floor, hit the threes, play solid defense. We had him right in our grasp. And, and he was a hometown kid. And his mom worked for the Like, everything was perfect. And, yeah, we ended up yeah. with Zaire Smith. Yeah, poor Zaire. I do feel sympathy for Zaire. Uh, he was a guy that I did very much like in the draft and just a, such a freak circumstance with him and literally almost dying from the sesame allergy from the Sixers food. But then a, a guy lost literally like 50 pounds, more than like a ton of his body weight and just never recovered athletically from that. So did you agree with that trade on draft night? Uh, I wouldn't say I agreed. I, I was also a Bridges guy. I, I like Zaire Smith was a guy that I had like circled in that draft. And then I am disappointed. I think he's a guy that would have had an NBA career if this, the allergy or whatever didn't happen. But even at the time, I don't think I was on board with that. Yeah. I, I think Michael was the perfect fit for us. Obviously we needed wings at the time, which is something we still need. And ever since we, you know, pretty much let Jimmy Butler go. I mean, some questionable decisions for sure from this franchise and I don't know, man, we got to clean it up. We got to clean it up. We got to get Joel what he deserves. Um, looking forward down the stretch. Uh, what do you, you know, what is your confidence in this team going, going down the stretch? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I, it's tough for me to doubt Joel to like any extent right now. I'm very excited for the, the Lakers game tomorrow. This is a Lakers team. That's also been struggling. They've kind of gone through their fair, fair share. They're in a little bit of a similar boat of, LeBron kind of having to will them to victories while the rest of the team struggles. They obviously have Malik Monk, uh, Anthony Davis getting healthy. They're coming back into, but I think tomorrow is a massive game for the Sixers. And if they can find a way to pick up a big win, I think that would be a, a, a statement for sure. You think we pull out the dub tomorrow? Give us some, I'm, give us a prediction. I'm feeling it. I'm, I think uh, tomorrow is a night that I think everybody shows up for. And for the most part, the Sixers team has an easier time getting up for the big games than like the, the small ones. So I think, Tomorrow might be a might be one of those moments. Yeah, I think Joel is going to have a night tomorrow. Obviously, prime time. Like Joel loves the big lights, you know, and yeah. then he loves the spotlight. And then going up against LeBron, like Joel's just been absolutely insane down this stretch. I think he's going to feast. I really do. And and you know, all these like vets on the Lakers coming back. Like I think Joel's going to have like another forty point game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the 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 over 100 in my mind form tomorrow is probably set at 40, which is crazy that we're even saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. I, it's th- it's time to get it's time to get it on the national level. Like I think I feel like it's starting starting to gain traction, but now I feel like people are starting to really recognize like wow, like it's Joel and the Joker. Like these two are just they're they're on a different planet right now than the rest of the, you know, than than the rest of the players in this league right now, but um yeah, we'll see what happens. Hopefully Sixers get a W. They have to get these next couple wins. Like, you got to take advantage of these games. You know, you got to take advantage of uh, of everything you can right now. But we will see what happens. That game is at the Wells Fargo, I believe, right? Yeah, home tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling a W. But, you know, we, a- we actually have been kind of weaker at home, which is weird. 
Um, given the fact that we were like one of the best home teams for like a two year stretch, like mm-hmm. ever. And it's weird. Like now we're struggling at home. I don't get it. Yeah. The 2019 year, remember when we like couldn't win on the road, but couldn't lose at home with that. So it, it is kind of weird how that shifted. I will say the, the streak where we were hurt deepest by COVID happened for a pretty big home stand. So I think it will even out as the season progresses, but definitely yeah. weird to look at it. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, man. Hey, appreciate you coming on the show, guys. Sean Bernard, Sean underscore Bernard one. Uh, definitely follow him on Twitter. He tweets out during the games and all covers the team. Go follow his uh, his Twitter, subscribe to his podcast. Uh, go check out his articles, all that stuff. This guy's a great uh, content creator, and he's on to come up. And I appreciate him coming on the show. And like I said, you're welcome to come back on whenever, man. Good talk. Shout out to all the callers, all the members in the chat. Hit that like button for your boys. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, appreciate you for having me. Thanks for everybody for hanging out. And yeah, check out my written work on phillysportsnetwork.com. Check out my Twitter and check out PickSwap Podcast for some more Sixers content over there. But I uh, appreciate you for having me, RB, and definitely we'll be back. Absolutely, man. Hey, everybody in the chat, have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow live, Sixers and Lakers. Let's get a W. Let's get another 40 bomb from Joel. We'll see what happens. You guys have a great one. Catch you on the next one. Peace.